Hey, so welcome everybody to Greenbelt Online. If this is your first time with us today, my name is Kevin, and I have the privilege of serving as the lead pastor of Greenbelt Church in the city of Ottawa, Ontario, Canada. Now, for those of you who've been attending Greenbelt for a long, long time, have you ever dreamed that one day Greenbelt was going to become this multi-site church, meeting in dozens and dozens of locations across the city and maybe even around the world? That's kind of what we're doing right now when you think about it. The fact that we're worshiping in our homes, the fact that we're gathered around our TVs, our computers, our cell phones, we've become this multi-site church, you know, with a multi-site impact in our city and around the world. I mean, this truly is unprecedented times that we live in, but there's also some unprecedented opportunity to show love to our neighbors, our city, our nation, and the world. We're in week three of a sermon series that we've called Not Afraid, and we're looking at different Bible passages to see how God wants to use his church in the world and, and not give in to a spirit of fear, to not to give in to a spirit of worry and anxiety or dread. When things around us are so out of control, we can trust that God is in control and that God is close. In fact, he's so close, he whispers to us. In week one of the series, we talked about the different ways that you and I, how we give in to fear, some of the, the, the mistakes we make when we give in to fear. Things like we run ourselves into the ground, right? We just work and work and work ourselves to exhaustion. Or we shut people out. We tend to think, I can do this on my own. I don't need anybody. Or we tend to focus on the negative. Or worst case scenario is we forget God completely in whatever we're dealing with. Last week, we talked about anxiety and how anxiety is a signal that our creator gave us to let us know that there is something wrong going on and that it's time for us as followers of Jesus to pray, to pray about everything. And so this past week, for me personally, I've been so incredibly encouraged uh, by your emails and your text messages and, and video calls. I have so loved hearing how you and your families are worshiping at home. I really have. It's been so encouraging to get those emails of just that time of worship that you're experiencing, maybe a little bit more intimately, maybe just as a couple, or maybe as a family, maybe even kind of by yourself at home or in your room. Right? I love hearing how people in our church family have been feeling cared for through phone calls, through our new REACH ministry. I love how people are still feeling connected and growing together through our life group ministry that we've moved on to a kind of video conferencing format. I love the fact that our teenagers are still getting together and having lots of fun in our fusion youth ministry, again, through this online video conferencing, and then they go out into breakout rooms, right? I love hearing how our kids zone volunteers are coming up with new ways to bless families and to help kids grow in their relationship with Jesus in this time. There's so much going on that it caused me literally yesterday to just pause in my home, in my home office, and rejoice. And just literally get to my knees and sing praises to God for all the amazing things that he is doing in so many people's lives, even in the difficulty. 
even in the challenge, even in a worldwide pandemic that would want to make us feel so afraid, God is doing amazing things. For this three-week series called Not Afraid, we've been looking at one particular verse, a very famous verse from Philippians chapter 4, and this has been our theme verse that we've been looking at for the three weeks. And I'm going to read that for us again today. This is Philippians chapter 4, verses 4 to 7. The Apostle Paul writes this to the church, and he says, Rejoice in the Lord always. I say it again, rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Rejoice in the Lord always. I say it again. Rejoice. You see, that part of Philippians chapter 4 is very easy to memorize. It's very easy for me to preach it. It's very easy for us to put that on a really cool magnet and put that on our fridge so we can walk by that verse and be encouraged by it every day. But um, it's not always an easy verse to live. I can tell you to rejoice in this situation that we find ourselves in. And I can tell you again and again and again and again, but there's something that you and I have got to look at to actually truly experience that. Because when Paul says to rejoice always, does he really mean always? Doesn't he... You know, doesn't kind of our flesh want to say, well, he can't possibly mean always. He must mean in most situations or for most of the time. But always can't really mean always, can it? I mean, when I'm stuck at home and I can't go to school or I can't go to work and I'm stuck in my house for weeks, rejoice? When I'm worried about my job, will I have a job to return to? What am I going to do for money? Rejoice? What about my retirement fund and I'm watching it dip and dip and dip and it's it's dropping in value and am I going to have enough money to kind of live out my retirement plans? Rejoice? When people are sick? Rejoice? When people I love are hurting and lonely and I can't go visit them, rejoice. Well, you see, the Apostle Paul, the way he writes this text is there's no wiggle room here for the follower of Jesus. It's rejoice. Always, always, always. And he says it again and he repeats it. Always (laughs) rejoice. Right? This call to rejoice written by the Apostle Paul was written while Paul was under house arrest. And what house arrest means, it was he was under Roman lock and key. Like he was a prisoner. He was under house arrest. He couldn't go anywhere. He couldn't do whatever he wanted. And he was chained to a Roman guard. And Paul 
rejoices in this. Now, this is not the way Paul would want to do his ministry. Right? Paul would not want to just be locked in some Roman hut, chained to a guard, and just sharing the gospel with one guard at a time. No, Paul wants to be out in the streets. He wants to be preaching and proclaiming the message of Jesus. Paul wants to travel the world and raise up new pastors and raise up new elders and plant other churches and start other congregations. Right? Part one, uh, Paul wants to tackle and wrestle with the religious elite and kind of point them to the truth of the scriptures that people have been missing for generations. Like that's what Paul wants to do, right? That's his ministry method that he loves. And yet God does something to him. God changes the method and sticks him in prison so that he can be a blessing to many, And in a strange way, for me, this verse reminds me so much of the situation that we are in right now. There are so many church methods that we love and we want to do our ministry in the method that we love. But God is changing the method. God has not changed the mission, but he's working and tweaking on our methods. And the way that you and I can continue to rejoice in the changing of the methods is to work on our perspective. You and I, as followers of Jesus in the world today, if we want to be able to be men, women, boys, and girls who rejoice always, we need to look at our perspective. Paul while in prison, while in house arrest, has a perspective of praise. For the past three and a half, almost four years, I've actually been a volunteer uh, at Life.Church's Church Online uh, worship experience. Uh, I've been a host. I've been a community leader. I've trained up leaders on the Church Online platform uh, for years. And I've had so many opportunities to talk about the Christian faith with people all over the world. And I remember a couple of years ago, the, Pastor Craig was preaching on a message. I can't remember what it was about. I was busy praying with people and chatting with people. And one guy kind of clicked that live prayer button. That's kind of like right above me as well, too. If you want prayer, click that button and someone will pr- pray with you. One of our volunteers will pray for you. Um, I, someone clicked that button. I answered the prayer request. It was just someone who was just going through just a whole bad load of situations in their life. And, and I was asking them questions. I was praying and, and asking them different questions. And then the person just got really mad at me. And then they just said, you know what? You're just incredibly naive. I was like, okay, why do you think that? I said, you Christians are just so incredibly naive. You just don't understand how the world works. And if you would truly understand how the world works, you couldn't believe what you believe. And I kind of prayed about that, and I was kind of figuring out what to text next (laughs) during that conversation. I said, well, it's not that I'm naive, is you have to understand you and I have a very different perspective. You and I see the world differently because we approach the world with two very different perspectives. I saw a great example of that on Facebook this week. Someone had posted this Facebook meme specifically about the pandemic and specifically about us being stuck at home. And it kind of had two little pictures. I think they were cute little kittens, and one kitten was all grumpy. I think it was Grumpy Cat or something like that. And it was this picture of a cat, and the cat was angry, and it said, I'm stuck at home. 
And underneath it was this cute little fluffy kitten and the big eyes and was all sweet and cuddly. And that kitten was saying, I get to stay home to keep people safe. You see, it's the exact same situation. Being at home, not leaving, right? Not going off to work, not going off to school, not go to hang out with your friends, not to go do all the things that we love to do. Same exact situation, two radically different perspectives. I'm stuck at home. I get to stay home to keep people safe. This is what Paul is doing here from from prison. Right? Perspective simply means how you and I view something. Two different people can have two radically different perspectives on the exact same situation. Right? As followers of Jesus, we are called to have a different perspective than the world does. I remember a couple of years ago, I was talking about this with my wife, Danielle, and my wife, Danielle, describes this as putting on her Jesus goggles. And she would actually literally do this. She would kind of take her hands and say she's putting on her Jesus goggles. Because as followers of Jesus, we look at everything through the lens of Jesus. And not Jesus, just nice Mr. Rogers, good teacher, religious leader, Jesus, even though he is all of those things. But Jesus, son of God, who came to take away the sin of the world, who died, who rose again, who ascended, returned to heaven, who is seated on his throne, who sent the Holy Spirit to come into Christians and make them new, right? We need to see the world through those Jesus goggles. We have to look at everything through that perspective. When you and I as followers of Jesus put on our Jesus goggles, we see the world very different, See, I, in the very last pages of your Bible, there's a book called Revelation. And in Revelation chapter 21, verse 5, Jesus says these words from his throne in heaven. And he says, Behold, I am making all things new. Behold, I am making all things new. I don't know how many of you remember this, but remember the movie, uh, The Passion of the Christ, that came out a number of years ago uh, by director Mel Gibson. Uh, probably one of my favorite movies of all time, but one of the movies that is so hard to watch just to see the brutality of the crucifixion on film like that. Um, but there's one scene in that movie, and honestly, I could barely even talk about that scene without getting um, choked up about it. It has Jesus carrying his, the cross through the streets of Jerusalem and he's bleeding and he's been battered and he's been so badly beaten like his eyes are closing. He can barely see. He's got the thorn of crowns on his forehead. He's just bleeding and he's carrying this ginormous cross and, and his mother Mary sees him and she's afraid and she sees all the guards and the crowd and the chaos and Jesus falls to the ground and Mary runs to Jesus and Jesus looks up at his mother and says, Mother, I am making all things new. So you and I as followers of Jesus, we look at the world through those goggles that Jesus is making all things new. 
What is Jesus making new? Right? Jesus is making a new morality and a new spirituality for humanity. He is coming into people's hearts all over the world, and he is radically transforming people. He's making hearts new. God, Jesus is making people's relationship with God new. He's given us a new relationship with God. We don't have to be afraid of God, thinking God is some monster up in heaven wanting to throw lightning bolts at us every time we're bad. That God has made our relationship with him new, that all of our sins are forgiven. There's no wrath of God here trying to punish us. That the wrath of God was put on Jesus, not on us. He's made our relationship with new. Our sins kept us so far from God. And now because of Jesus, God is so close that he's come to live in us. He makes us his temple. He makes us new. And then one day, Jesus will return and he's going to create a new heaven and a new earth. He's going to give us new resurrected bodies and there will be no more pain. There will be no more death. There will be no more sorrow. There will be no more viruses. Jesus is making all things new. That is our perspective as followers of Jesus. That's Paul's perspective as a follower of Jesus in prison. Now, what's fascinating about Ephesians, uh, about this text in Ephesians, is look at how Paul looks at his perspective about who Christ is. Like earlier on in uh, Philippians chapter 1, Paul says these words here. And look at how he sees his perspective as a follower of Jesus. He says, Now I want you to know, brothers and sisters, that what has happened to me has actually served to advance the gospel. Paul, this great preacher, this incredible Christian leader, this man who's done so much things that I couldn't even dream of doing anything close to that. And Paul's looking at himself in house arrest. And he goes, God actually used this to advance the gospel. As a result, it has become clear through the whole palace guard and to everyone else that I'm in chains for Christ. People are going, man, the reason you're in jail is because God is doing something in you and through you that we would never have seen in this prison. Right? Now, it's interesting um, how Paul's perspective about his isolation allows him to advance the gospel. I have a number of friends on YouTube and, and social media who've reached out to me and say, Pastor, like, it would be great to you know, have you on Facebook Live or YouTube Live or something like that because I'd just love to talk to you about prophecy and, 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 and different things that the Bible teaches. And do you think that this, you know, this COVID-19 is like end time stuff and prophetic and things like that? And I actually tell people, I said, you know, honestly, that's not my bend as a Christian leader. I actually don't spend a lot of time doing that. I, I think the end times started with Jesus <laughs> and we have been in it, you know, for 2000 years, you know, the kingdom of God has fully come, but we wait for the completion of it. We're in it already. We've been in it for 2000 years. You know, there's an end coming one day. I'm not overly concerned with it. So I don't read the times and try to, um, over spiritualize it. <laughs> but in this season of self-isolation, the season of the church, having to gather in people's homes, 
and to change some of our methods of ministry. Doesn't that kind of echo Paul's words here from Philippians chapter (laughs) 1? That what has happened to me has actually served to advance the gospel. In the very first week when we launched Church Online as a church here at Greenbelt, around the world, over 43,000 people accepted Jesus on Church Online platforms from different churches all over the world. Last Sunday, last weekend, another 30,000 people accepted Jesus through all these different churches that are doing Church Online around the world. 70,000 people who may never have set foot inside a church building. God uses this to advance the gospel. See, when I think like that, that radically changes my perspective of what God is doing. And it causes me to rejoice, to praise God for what he is doing. So how can you and I strengthen our perspective of praise. Because again, this is an easy thing to say. You you could hear a message like this. You could look at these verses. You could get encouraged and fired up for 50 minutes and then turn your computer off and get back into the, the routine of life right now at home. And how do we make that perspective stick? How do we grow in our perspective of rejoicing, of praising? Right. I want to read another passage of Paul's experiences in prison because when uh, Paul's experience in Philippians is not the first time Paul has been in jail. We actually see in the book of Acts. In Acts chapter 16, we see another time when Paul ends up in prison. So I want us to read that experience that Paul went through and so that we can unpack that a little bit and see and look at Paul's faith. And how we can compare his faith to our faith and how you and I can strengthen our perspective of praise. So I'm going to read from Acts chapter 16. And I'm going to start reading here um, in verse 22. But just to kind of set up what's going on is Paul is with Silas and they're going around and they're, they're preaching and they're telling people about Jesus. They find this slave girl who is demon possessed and this demon possession has given her the ability to tell the future. So her slave, uh, her masters um, are using her to make money. And this girl's following them around and following them around and following them around. And eventually they just get fed up and say, hey, in Jesus' name, get out. The demon goes away. And now this girl can't tell the future anymore. And her owners are furious because they've just lost this massive source of income. And they freak out and they get the whole community to freak out on what they are doing. And then they bring them before the city leaders. <laughs> That's what's kind of going on here. So Acts chapter 16 in verse 22 says, Then the crowd joined in the attack against Paul and Silas. And the magistrates ordered them to be stripped and beaten with rods. For just talking about Jesus and casting out demons. It says, After they had been severely flogged, flashing back to those scenes in that movie, The Passion of the Christ. After they'd been severely flogged, they were thrown into prison And the jailer was commanded to guard them carefully. When he received these orders, he put them in the inner cell and fastened their feet in the stocks. So they're chained to the wall. About midnight, 
Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God. And the other prisoners were listening to them. And suddenly there was a violent earthquake that the foundations of the prison were shaken. And at once the prison doors flew open and everyone's chains came loose. The jailer woke up and when he saw that the prison doors were open, he drew his sword and was about to kill himself because he thought the prisoners had escaped. But Paul shouted, don't harm yourself. We're all here. And the jailer called for lights. He rushed in and he fell trembling before Paul and Silas. He brought them out and he asked, sirs, what must I do to be saved? And they replied, believe in the Lord Jesus Christ and you will be saved, you and your household. And then they spoke the words of the Lord to him and all the others in his house. And at that hour of the night, the jailer then took them. He washed their wounds. And then immediately he and all of his household were baptized. It's a crazy story. This is a crazy story about Paul's perspective of praise. Just a couple of things, three things here that we see from this story that helps us develop our perspective so that we can rejoice always. Right? The first thing that we see about Paul's faith is that Paul praises God for who he is, not for what God has done. Paul praises God for who he is, not for what God has done. You see, Paul and Cyrus, they are not praising God and singing songs after they get out of prison, after the jailer took care of them. No, they were stripped, they were beaten, they were thrown in jail, they're cold, they're bloody, they're hungry, they're afraid, and then they praise. You see, the praise of God is not about the circumstance. It's not about the situation that they're in, right? They praise God for who he is. They praise God because he did do one thing, that he died for them, that he made them new, and that he became close. <laughs> And regardless of their circumstances, they have a perspective of praise. It's not about what God gives you. See, if your faith is based on the perks and the benefits and the blessings of God, your faith will become very weak in a time like this. Because it will look like God's not giving you anything. In fact, it might look like God is taking away a number of things that you and I love. <laughs> and if our perspective is, I will praise God when he answers my prayer, when he gives me what I want, that perspective will not allow us to rejoice always. So we praise God for who he is, not because he's giving us what we want. The second thing that I love about this passage here with Paul and Cyrus praising and singing hymns to God is that Paul's not alone, <laughs> right? To develop a perspective of praise, you and I should not be alone, right? Something very powerful happens when we praise God with somebody else, 
right? And in this season where now Greenbelt is now this multi-site church meeting in all these homes across the city and all these homes around the world, right? Some people might feel like, well, we're not gathering, so this isn't right. But that's actually not true. That's a method, right? When we all gather together on Sunday morning, that's a method. It's a good method. There's nothing wrong with it. But the fact that we're worshiping at home is not disobedient to any teachings of the Bible at all. That we are still gathered together. There might only be two people gathered together. You might be watching this alone. But you're not alone. (laughs) That's why we have volunteers here to pray and to chat. That's why this is running 24-7 every hour so that you can always, no matter when you found this, click that prayer request button to know that you are not alone, that there is someone wanting to pray with you. That's why at the end of every message as this runs 24 hours a day, that banner is going to come up under me. If you want to give your life to Jesus, you click that. It's going to bring you to a form so that you can know you are not alone. Right? It's going to be so easy in the weeks to come to feel alone and isolated. And it's going to be, for some of us, we might start becoming very comfortable staying alone. And my encouragement to you is don't, don't do that. Stay connected. If you're not in a life group, join a life group. What else are you doing now? <laughs> you know, join a life group. Click on that link above me where it says life groups and find a group that fits your schedule. They're meeting online. Get connected with people. Worship regularly with whether, you know, it's here on church online or with any other church. That's totally cool. But just stay connected. Click the prayer button so you can have someone pray with you. You know, even if you're not too sure what to pray for, just click it and say, I don't even know what's, what to pray for. Could you just pray for me? Someone would love to pray for you, right? We really, if we want to grow in our perspective of Christ, I love the example of not being alone. And then finally, to really work on our perspective of praise, let other people see your praise. Let other people see your praise, right? When we look at this story here from Acts chapter 16, you know, when Paul and Cyrus are singing these songs, they're praying in the middle of the night, the other prisoners hear this, the guards hear this, like people know that something is going on, right? And when other people see their praise, it changes their lives, right? It completely changes them. I mean, Paul actually teaches that in other parts of the New Testament when he says when non, you know, people who don't believe in God, people who aren't church people, when they see the church worshiping God, they go, wow, God is real. (laughs) They need to see our praise. Too often we as Christians, we praise behind closed doors that people that aren't really comfortable with church never come into. Why would they want to go into an environment they don't know anything about? They don't see the praise. (laughs) But this online experience has opened up so many amazing opportunities for people to witness and see our praise. They're watching how we interact in the chat. They're watching how we talk. They're watching how we worship God together in this way. Right? And people will see your praise. You know, God has done an amazing thing where he's gotten us out of our buildings and he's scattered us across the internet. to advance the gospel, (laughs) right? It's been amazing. 
So if we want to work on our perspective when it comes to being able to rejoice always, we praise God for who he is, not for what he gives us. We, we also we make sure that we're not going through this faith journey alone. And we want people to see our praise so that it will transform them. Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your mind in Christ Jesus. You see, this perspective of change doesn't come simply from trying to change our behavior. I don't want you to hear a message like this and say, well, I'm just going to start acting like Paul. It's not about our behavior of trying to act like Paul. It's about our heart transformation that, no, 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 I want to believe like Paul. And what did Paul believe? He believed that Jesus came from heaven, that he is God, that he was born of a virgin, that he lived a sinless life that he was arrested and accused of crimes he didn't commit. (laughs) He was sentenced to death. He died a criminal's death on a Roman cross. He was taken off of that cross. He was put into a tomb. And three days later, he rose from the dead and he had victory over sin and death and the spiritual evil forces of the world. (laughs) And Jesus ascended back into heaven where he is seated at the right hand of God the Father. He sends the third part of the Trinity, the Holy Spirit, to come into your life and make you new. That's what Paul believed. That are, that's Paul's Jesus goggles. And to live like Paul lived, to rejoice like Paul rejoiced, means you and I need to turn to Jesus. And he gives us those instructions on how to do it in Acts chapter 16. Believe in the Lord Jesus and you will be saved. And then he spoke the words, and they are the same words that I just shared with you. If you want to develop a stronger perspective of praise, even in a time of fear and worry and anxiety, it starts with knowing Jesus. And if you're willing to and and ready to accept Jesus today, I'm going to say a prayer. I would just encourage you to follow along with this prayer. Let's just pray together. Heavenly Father, I thank you for Jesus. I thank you that he is making all things new. And I thank you that he wants to make me new. So, Father, today, right where I am, I give you my heart. I give you my life. Come into me and make me new. And Father, work in me this same faith that Paul had, this same faith that I see in other people around me. Help develop in me a perspective of praise for your glory. And if you pray that prayer, I would love it if you would click that banner underneath me today. That's going to bring up another window. Just fill out as much information as you're comfortable with. We would love to get more information into your hands to just kind of bless you and help you on this new journey with Jesus wherever you are in the world. And for the rest of us who made that decision to follow Jesus, maybe some just a few days ago, maybe some decades ago, do not be afraid. Rejoice always because God is near and he is truly doing immeasurably more than we could ask or imagine through his power at work in his church. 
God bless you.